Hi everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're continuing in our series on feminine beauty, and we're going to talk specifically on the right way to, quote, be yourself, because that is such a trendy phrase that we're hearing everywhere from Disney songs to cereal boxes to youth group pep talks. We're hearing that we need to be ourselves, and even in women's Bible studies, so much of it is often built around, here's how you can learn to be yourself. And I think a lot of this is rooted in the self-esteem issues that women in our culture struggle with. I mentioned in a previous episode on beauty how our culture lifts up a literally impossible standard for physical beauty that so many women feel that they need to somehow achieve, and yet it's not even based on reality. It's it's based on plastic surgery. It's based on digitally altered and airbrushed models in the computer, and women are trying to achieve this impossible standard, and as a result... Many women struggle with very low self-esteem and constantly feeling inferior. And really, God's answer to low self-esteem is very different than what our culture or even what the church often thinks the answer is supposed to be. I begin to hear a lot about self-esteem when I was in youth group, about 13 or 14 years old. And I remember one of the very first lessons on self-esteem. It all had to do with learning to be yourself. We were meeting in a youth leader's home, a young woman who was leading a girls group. And we we were talking specifically about you know low self-esteem and how, how to feel good about ourselves and how to learn how to be ourselves. And the youth leader was very well-meaning. She spent a lot of time condemning the media for putting such unhealthy expectations on us teen girls and philosophizing about all the dangers of the peer pressure that we were facing every day at school. And then she kind of got to the main point of her talk, which was God smiles when he sees you being you. She said, don't try to be someone you're not, just be yourself and let everyone else deal with it. And that was really the point of her devotional lesson for that day. And it really did sound like good advice because my friends and I lived in a world that was constantly telling us we needed to look and act like a Hollywood movie star or a magazine cover uh, model in order to truly be acceptable. And the guys in our life seemed to be going after that same standard of physical beauty for in what they were looking for in a woman. And so it was refreshing to hear a different message. But the problem was none of us really had a clue what being ourselves really meant. We were constantly hearing from commercials, magazines, pop songs, Disney songs. You know, we were constantly hearing these messages that we should do whatever would make us happy, pursue our own desires, listen to our hearts. And those relentless messages combined with so many well-meaning exhortations that would say, just be you, just be yourself, it caused most of us to come to the conclusion that being ourselves meant expressing our own unique personalities or catering to our own whims or just doing whatever felt right in the moment. So as an example, I had a friend in that youth group who was a very outgoing person and she always had to be the center of attention to the point where she really made a lot of other people feel left out and overlooked. She always wanted to be the life of the party. She wanted all eyes on her. And her excuse for that was, well, this is just who I am. This is just how God's made me to be. I'm just loud and boisterous and outgoing, and I'm always the life of the party, and that's just who I am. And as a result, she overlooked the opportunity to reach out to quieter people because she was 
trying to, quote, be herself. There was another friend of mine who was in that same group who was very different. She was sort of dark and brooding and morose and somber. She was she always wore black. She had tattoos and piercings all over her body. And she sort of had this angry attitude towards the world. And when people tried to, like usually her parents or relatives or older adults in her life would, would try to challenge the way she was dressing and acting, she would just angrily bark back at them, don't try to change me. I'm going to be who I am. This is who I am. And even for me, I was more of an introvert and I didn't really like reaching out to people. And I remember telling myself, you know, some people were born friendly, but I wasn't. And that was pretty much the excuse that I used to stay in my own little selfish bubble for most of my high school years. And again, it was under that banner of, well, I'm just being myself. And in reality, each of us, all three of us, in our own unique way, had really twisted the idea of being ourselves into nothing more than just a spiritual-sounding excuse for living selfish lives. We'd been taught by our culture and even by our Christian leaders that following our hearts, which really was just doing exactly what we wanted, and expressing our individuality was the way that we could glorify God and fulfill our true destiny. And it just led to a mess in my life and in the lives of my friends. And really, this kind of be true to yourself confusion has spread far beyond youth group devotional lessons over the past couple of decades. It's really permeated a lot of modern Christianity, and it's convinced believers of all ages that they have to fight to protect their individuality and that they should only do things that make them feel happy and they should be intentional about building a strong sense of self. Young moms are often told that they have to fight to protect their me time and aggressively cultivate their own interests apart from their husbands and children so that they don't spend their lives serving others and forgetting all about themselves. Single young women who are looking for godly older mentors are often turned down because older Christian women are convinced that, you know, I put in my time, my children are grown, now I can finally do the things I've always wanted to do. And so they've become too busy with their own lives to invest spiritually into the lives of others. Again, it's like, well, this is me. This is who I am. I don't, I can't really be bothered with that. I'm doing what makes me happy. And Eric and I have spoken with a lot of ministry leaders and missionaries who are really desperate for Christian workers that will just cheerfully do whatever needs to be done. But often those leaders tell us that servant-hearted missionaries and workers are nearly impossible to find today because Christians have been raised on this be true to yourself message and they abandon the less than glamorous assignments or tasks. And they say, well, that's just not me or that's not my true passion. And life for many Christians today is just a journey of self-discovery and self-fulfillment. We're so preoccupied with the questions, who am I? What will make me happy? And our culture has told us that it's noble and right to pursue our own dreams and protect our own interests. We're actually taught that to lose sight of ourselves is a dangerous thing. But I want to take a closer look at what God says about the difference between self-esteem and Christ-esteem. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, You are no longer your own, for you have been bought at a price. And Jesus tells us, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Both of these verses are so clear that the Christian life is not about self. It's actually putting self out of the way and focusing on Jesus Christ. The word deny, when Jesus says deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, the word deny literally means to lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. Now, this is the exact opposite of the love yourself, stay true to yourself, express yourself ideas that are so prevalent in the church today. And many of us who are obsessed with being true to ourselves are missing the essence of true Christianity. In my own life, when I truly began to seek after Jesus Christ with all my heart, it became clear that he was asking for all of me. And I realized that meant letting him have his way in my life, even if it looked completely different than what I had always wanted or what I thought would make me happy. It meant letting him shape and mold my longings from selfish desires into Christ-centered ones. And a true commitment to Christ is exactly that, giving up all of our rights, including our right to ourself. Yes, it's true. God did make us to be unique individuals. He doesn't ask us to become robots without a personality or feelings when we give our lives to him. But he does ask us to stop fighting for our own way and clinging to our own preferences under the banner of being ourselves. He wants us to redefine what being ourselves really means according to his pattern and not the world's. As we follow Jesus and yield our lives to him, we are meant to lose our own identity and take on his identity. We're not supposed to be defined by our own personality, our own tastes, our own desires. Our lives are now meant to be defined by the simple, amazing fact that we are daughters of the King, that we are bondservants of the Most High God, and that we are in Christ Jesus. He alone must be our identity. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2.22, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. And Paul had an impressive list of accomplishments by human standards, but they meant nothing to him. His identity was completely and wholly wrapped up in Jesus Christ. I love what Ian Thomas said about this in his quote that says, The Christian life can be explained only in terms of Jesus Christ. If your life as a Christian can still be explained in terms of you, your personality, your willpower, your gift, your talent, your money, your courage, your scholarship, your dedication, your sacrifice, or your anything, then although you may have the Christian life, you are not yet living it. When we really understand who Christ is and who we are in Christ, we won't fight to be noticed, appreciated, or applauded. We won't be preoccupied with trying to figure out who we are and what makes us unique or special. We won't stubbornly cling to our selfish whims or our personal preferences and then use the excuse, well, I'm just being myself. Colossians 3.3 reminds us of the incredible transformation that takes place when we enter into a covenant with the King of all kings. It says, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hidden in this verse actually means to conceal and to escape notice. Christ's amazing work on the cross did not set you free to be you, like some modern voices are trying to tell you. Rather, he gave his life to set you free from yourself so that you no longer need to be controlled by your selfish, fleshly whims. Because of his work on the cross, you are free to be completely and wholly his. 
Of course, your individual personality and your specific likes and dislikes won't disappear when your life is hidden with Christ, but they are no longer the focal point of your existence. When people look at your life, they should not primarily see you, they should see Jesus, his nature, his attitude, his love, his life. And your job isn't to fight for your own individuality, but to fight for his glory. God may choose to use our unique qualities for his purposes, but that's his business and not ours. Our job is to just make ourselves completely available to him, just like a soldier is completely at the disposal of his commanding officer, as it says in 2 Timothy 2.4. I love how Elizabeth Elliot expressed this with her statement, the world looks for happiness through self-assertion. The Christian knows that joy is found in self-abandonment. If a man will let himself be lost for my sake, Jesus said, he will find his true self. Now, there is a right way and a wrong way to be yourself. Our culture has warped and twisted the idea of being ourselves to such an extreme that it has become perfectly normal and even applauded to reject the way God designed us, the gender he made us, the age he made us, the family or the circumstances that he put us in. If someone doesn't like his or her gender, that person can simply change genders and declare, this is the person I was meant to be. Or if a child doesn't like his or her parents or teachers, that child can simply reject and disregard them, and in some cases plot to hurt or kill them, as we see in so many heartbreaking news stories today. If a woman doesn't like the age she is, she can just resort to plastic surgery to look 30 when she's really 50. If a teenager doesn't like his life circumstances, he can take on a digital reality instead through virtual reality games. If a husband doesn't like the wife he married, he can run off with another woman that he feels is his true soulmate. If a single person doesn't like being single, he or she can simply get online and go shopping for a spouse through online dating. Even those of us who don't follow these specific paths often rebel against God's design for our life in more subtle ways. We are often prone to getting upset with God if he doesn't give us exactly what we want or rushing ahead of him out of impatience, trying to manipulate our life circumstances so they'll line up with our desires. But to joyfully and to gladly accept God's design for our lives is really the only way to be ourselves according to his pattern. It's the only path that leads to true peace. So are you single today? God designed you to be single today. Are you afraid of getting older? God made you the exact age that he wants you to be. Are you in a challenging family situation? Remember that God has put you there for a reason. Are you a woman? God made you a woman on purpose. Contrary to what we often believe, God doesn't make mistakes. In order to be who we are, according to his pattern, we have to learn not to fight against his sovereign plans and purposes for our lives, but to embrace them as gifts from him. Instead of getting angry or impatient when our circumstances don't line up with our desires, we can ask him to give us a heart that willingly proclaims, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. This doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for challenging circumstances in our life to change or that we shouldn't lay our desires before him, but it does mean that we should willingly embrace his design for our lives and that we should cultivate a heart of surrender and acceptance even when things don't turn out exactly like we want them to. So let's look at what our ultimate purpose is. So many of us are trying desperately to figure out who we are and we're grasping for a sense of true purpose in our lives, or some people call it a strong sense of self. 
If you are searching for your identity and grasping for a sense of self, grasping for your life's purpose, Jesus made things very simple when he said in Matthew 10, 25, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. This is the great privilege and purpose of every set-apart follower of Jesus. Why would we ever want to be more than a disciple of the King of all kings? In my opinion, the world can just keep its frantic fight for individuality. Being like Jesus is the truest identity we could ever find and the greatest purpose we could ever have. And it is enough, it's more than enough, to fulfill us at the deepest level of our soul. So I pray that we will begin to echo a new prayer in our hearts. Lord, may I not seek to be more and more like me, but to be more and more like you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. For more on this topic, please visit setapartgirl.com and especially the article, A Christ-Centered Identity from the December-January 2016-2017 magazine issue. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.